everybody, and welcome to the August 4th, 2020 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I am your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Efron Josine. And ladies and gentlemen, George Floyd's body cam footage has finally been released 71 days after his death it took. Because courts did not want us to see this footage. And why did they not want us to see it? Well, probably because it shows the police officers in not quite the best light. Now, mind you, I didn't think it could get worse than kneeling on a man's neck for nine straight minutes. But hey, hey, I I've been wrong before. I would normally prefer it be about something less depressing, but I've been wrong before. Hence why we got this story. Uh, now. I want to say, there are a lot of commentators using this as evidence the officer in question was not racist. And you know what? You could realistically come out of this footage, this half-hour footage, this leaked to the Daily Mail, with that conclusion. If that the only thing you notice is, thank God, <laughs> the guy's just a normal asshole who shouldn't have power, but at least he's not a racist. You're a bad human being. <laughs> Sorry, you are. You are. And I want to make it clear, George Floyd, I will say this again, was hashtag no angel. Okay? Neither was Estimor Miranda, the guy who gave us the Miranda warnings. He wasn't a good person either. Doesn't change the fact he didn't deserve what he got, and we determined that, that was unjust. So here's what the footage shows. Okay, and mind you, I can't download video from the Daily Mail, and they're the only place that has the full footage at the time of recording. Now, this just came out today, in fact. So, sorry, you're just going to have to rely on my summary. What essentially happened is this. Uh, George Floyd was arrested for counterfeiting, okay? That's what I'm seeing in the reports. It was counterfeiting. Uh, which is not a violent crime, by the way, because I want to make that clear. Should still be punished. Uh, makes sense to punish that. Um, doesn't make sense to kill someone over that, but okay. So, the police approach the vehicle, and what is their first reaction? Mind you, Floyd was waiting in the car with two friends. He had plenty of time to flee the scene. He did not. Uh, the answer is they pull a gun on him and tell him to put his hands behind his head. Or put his hands up and later put his hands behind his head. So their first reaction, their first reaction is to pull a gun on this man. Now, mind you, we now know Floyd had mental issues and had grown a fear of the police. Gee, I wonder why. But even if... That weren't the case, because these officers couldn't have known that. I'll say that, these officers couldn't have known that. Okay, that's a fair criticism. That these officers did not know everything about George Floyd we currently do. Um, that's still unacceptable behavior. That is still purely, you're approaching a man whose current crime is counterfeiting. And you're responding by pulling a gun. What do you think he is going to do? Throw fake dollar bills at you? I, I'm seriously wondering. 
I'm seriously wondering what could possibly lead someone to think that was a good idea. Anyway, uh, Floyd refuses to get out of the car, pleads with the officer, starts sobbing. Again, I can't help but wonder why. Considering the first action of these police officers to a counterfeiter was to pull a gun on him. Um, and then Floyd refuses to get in the police car, citing that he has anxiety and claustrophobia. Now, some could accuse him of lying. After all, he wanted to stay in his own car. Uh, mind you, there's a difference between being in a car you own and being in a car driven by people who just pulled a gun on you. But, okay, you could realistically accuse him of lying there. Again, again... That doesn't justify the pulling a gun before you even know the man or, or the kneeling on his neck for nine minutes. Uh, he also repeatedly tells the police officers that he cannot breathe. Now, the reaction of a sane human being would be to try and maybe calm him down. Maybe he's having some kind of panic attack. Uh, we now know he was on drugs at the time. Although an autopsy has found that they weren't the main cause of death. The official autopsy has a few autopsies. Autopsies in general are kind of mixed on this subject. Um, however, most of them have found that the fentanyl in George Floyd's system was not the main thing that led to his death. It was the being strangled by having an officer kneel on him for three times longer than the average person can go without breathing. Just, again, want to say that right now. But wouldn't the appropriate response be to try and calm him down in some way? Or try and... Again, they're arresting him, so they can't pull out the red carpet. Or, like, put a mattress uh, for the seats in the car. I understand that. I'm not expecting them to do that. I'm at least expecting them to do more than nothing. I know we people saying, well, people fake this kind of stuff all the time. Okay, oh no. They might waste a couple of seconds trying to differentiate a man having a panic attack with someone pretending to. Oh no, bro. That would be the end of the world. No, nothing about these excuses make any sense in the slightest. Anyway, Floyd then falls out of the vehicle, where we find that's when the officer kneels on him for nine minutes straight. Uh, so, this did, I'll be blunt, this did do one thing. It did not contain any evidence the officers were racist. I'll say that right now. It did contain evidence the officers were power-hungry, uh, easy uh, gun-happy, um, assholes, various other things that should not be allowed to have power in the real world. Maybe as a Joe Don Baker character, maybe as a John Wayne character in a Western, they'd be fine. 
But in actual reality, where situations are sometimes more complicated, uh, no, these people should never be allowed to have any kind of power whatsoever. I should also note, there are some people using the fact that he fell out of the car first, or that he was saying he couldn't breathe before. Um, he was kneeled on as evidence he died of something else. And again, autopsies have been mixed on that topic. But at the same time, if I were in that scenario, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement being a major thing just a couple of years beforehand, you know what I'd do in that scenario? If I if somebody was fell out of my car dead as a police officer, I'd call 911. <laughs> I'd call an ambulance. I would do anything. And I'd stand as far away from the body as possible. Because I don't want an autopsy to get mixed up with what I had just done. I think that's fair. I think that's normal behavior for people in the real world. Again, uh, but these police officers clearly did not want to operate. These police officers would much rather have it so they can just do whatever they want with power. And again, I'm not going to sit here and call them racist, because to be blunt, even if they weren't, or even if they were, that doesn't change their action. I don't care about the motivation behind what they did. I care at the end of the day about what they did, and what they did was inexcusable. It was. It doesn't make the situations better. It makes the situation several times worse, far as I'm concerned. Anyway, I let's move to some less serious news. Now, throughout this entire series, I have been very dismissive of the idea of cancel culture. In part because it sounds like something the main characters from Clueless would complain about. And in part because the stories that are always told about it are highly exaggerated. Well, turns out, I gotta admit I was wrong, guys. I was wrong. There is cancel culture. Okay, someone has been canceled. And we're talking... What's a show that was canceled way before? We're talking Firefly levels of canceled. That's for all the science fiction fans in my audience. Uh, Auburn University is considering unhiring a professor for tweeting a swear word. <laughs> Jesse Goldberg, an incoming professor at Auburn University, recently took to Twitter to criticize the police. Quote, fuck the co cops, fuck every single one, he said. Now there's a good chance Goldberg will no longer be teaching at Auburn this all. Goldberg, who is to begin a position as a part-time instructor in American literature and composition, made his remarks in response to a tweet um, from the American Civil Liberties Union detaining New York police officers uh, allegedly detaining a protester in an unmarked van, as we saw in Portland. 
And here's the full tweet. It's, this is kidnapping. Fuck every single cop. Every single one. The only ethical choice for any cop to make at this point is to refuse to do their job and quit. The police do not protect people. They protect capital. They are an instrument of violence on behalf of capital. Uh, so this guy... And mind you, wait a minute, I thought universities were all overrun by Marxists. Now, there are some fields, by the way, in which they are. In sociology, in the humanities, you are more likely to be taught by someone who is politically on the left. Now, that is typically because, and studies have confirmed this, that people with more liberal or left-wing views are more likely to be very creative people. And as such, they're more likely to enter the arts. They are more likely to enter writing or film or anything along those lines. This is also why so much of Hollywood is on the left politically. It's not some big conspiracy. It's because left-leaning people are just more likely... <laughs> to enter acting or writing as their chosen field, okay? There's this kind of value that goes with them that coincides, it doesn't cause left-wing political beliefs, but it does coincide with it. Now, with that said, I'm not saying that every single conservative is uncreative. That's nonsensical. There are tons of really good actors who are on the right politically. Kelsey Grammer, for instance. And there are tons of Really good writers, fiction writers, who are on the right politically. I can't think of any, uh, <laughs> but I'm sure there are some out there. Uh, I hear Andrew Clavin's novels are good. I know Ben Shapiro's aren't, though. But no, overall, the idea that universities are overrun by communists started when students were protesting the war in Vietnam and various professors were against the war in Vietnam. Now, mind you, there were a lot who were in favor of it. They just weren't interviewed because what are you going to do? Hey, what do you think of this war in Vietnam? I think it's great, personally. Oh, well, that's very interesting. Back to you, John. No, they covered the people who were negative, and that's how Howard Zinn and Noam Chomsky first got into public light and others in that same field. Uh, but the overall idea that universities are just overrun by Marxists, no, the fact is the student base is more left-wing because young people are statistically more left-wing, okay? And for that matter, just more active. You ever seen a 70-year-old at a protest? Probably, but they're not the most common thing in the world. Uh, and for that matter, the... There are a lot of professors who are left-wing, especially in humanities and in more creatively-minded fields. I mean, Noam Chomsky taught philosophy, still teaches philosophy to this day, despite being like 200. Okay, that's unfair. He's only like 100. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's really old, though. Seriously. Really old. Um, but no... Those are fields that require more creative thinking, that require thinking that is more likely to lead you on left-wing political routes. Sorry, but that's just true. Now, while on the topic 
of this specific story, I like how it's always the brave heroes fighting cancel culture are always uh, right-wing professors. You ever notice that Jordan Peterson was one I remember got really big uh, for saying, I will not be legally required to call you... What, what, what pronoun is that anyway? It's like some... Are you speaking in tongues? What the heck is that? Okay, just like you should not be legally required to call me Kermit the Frog. Despite the fact I sound exactly like Kermit the Frog. Yeah, Jordan Peterson was such a meme. Uh, Lobster Daddy was something else entirely. Whatever happened to him, by the way? Last I heard, he was having massive... He, he's still alive, to my understanding. He was having some health issues. I hope he recovers from them. I want to be clear. I don't hate the guy. I think he was a little bit overhyped. Jordan Peterson is saving Western civilization. You guys remember that meme? Remember Mr. Medicare got so much shit for making fun of it. <laughs> what was that clip? He showed a picture of a Kermit the Frog statue. Daddy, who is that? Well, that's Jordan Peterson, son. A brave warrior who saved Western civilization by telling people who want to be called they, them, that he will not do so without a biological basis. But daddy, don't we live under a caliphate? Yes, now go pray to Allah. <laughs> Directed by M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> I am not... This is the commentary you don't get anywhere else, by the way. I want to make it clear. This is the commentary you do not get anywhere else. <laughs> I was supposed to be talking about a news story or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I expect this to get no play in the media is what I was getting at. Uh, you will never hear about this story outside of this podcast because this goes against their narrative. The fact is, people are not hated for having right-wing views. They're hated for having views that challenge mainstream consensus in general. Uh, when Twitter was or when YouTube was demonetizing videos, they didn't just go after anti-SJW stuff. They didn't just go after white nationalist content. No, they also hit Secular Talk and David Pakman. Those are two of the farthest left people allowed in mainstream discourse. They hit them really hard. Like, really hard. You guys remember that? Uh, Secular Talk got 433,000 views for one video. He got a dollar out of that. And that became a meme among his fan base. Just one dollar. One dollar. <laughs> he at least got one dollar. That's something. That's worth something. Even people buying ads specifically to go on those videos didn't get those put up because those videos were demonetized. Um, no, so it's not only right-wing views. And that's what's always ignored. Because they don't want to talk about it. Because this is not about expanding the Overton window. Okay? This is never about expanding the Overton window. Pete Diabosta admitted this yesterday that he was in favor of censorship. Unlike those losers in the GOP, as he put it. Uh, Pete Diabosta calling anyone else a loser, by the way, is like Chris Kobach calling anyone else a loser. Or like Steve King calling anyone else a loser. Or like Pat Buchanan calling anyone else a loser. 
Or like David Duke calling anyone else a loser. Or like whatever Paul Ryan's primary challenger's name was calling anyone else a loser. Or like Jeff Sessions calling anyone else. These people lose a lot. You ever notice that? <laughs> uh, so my basic request is to all the classical liberals of the world, just don't fall for it. And don't work with these people. You may think, oh, I'm building an alliance with authoritarians. No. No, they're going to give you a day at the ropes, too. They're not going to do you first. They won't. They are going to do you eventually, though. Anyone who's in favor of authoritarianism is going to go after libertarians once there are no other targets. Or for that, once there are no other authoritarians running around. That's the thing. They want to consolidate power among their authoritarian ideology, and then they'll come after us, too. And we'll get our good old day at the ropes. And they admit this, by the way. Uh, Josh Hammer basically spent all of February, or all of December, trying to find as many legal loopholes to allow him to ban pornography as possible. And has directly admitted he does not believe in judicial precedent. Uh, he's also somehow against judicial activism and judicial supremacy, which doesn't make any sense. I think he just hates judges. I think a judge stole Watto. I mean Josh Hammer. I get that confused sometimes. Uh, lunch when he was younger. I think Josh Hammer was bullied by a judge as a child, is my point. Uh, so, so just don't fall for fascists pretending they're in favor of free speech. That's it. That's all I'm getting at, okay? Um, and f admit what they are. Admit they're bad people. Okay? Anyway, uh, <laughs> President Trump was asked about John Lewis, the congressman who served 33 years in the House of Representatives, and has been considered a civil rights activist and hero to many on Axis, uh, on HBO recently. Uh, here is what he had to say. John Lewis is lying in state in the US Capitol. How do you think history will remember John Lewis? I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know John Lewis. Uh, he chose not to come to my uh, uh, inauguration. Uh, he chose, uh, I, I don't, uh, I never met John Lewis, actually. I don't believe. Do you find him impressive? Uh, I can't say one way or the other. I find a lot of people impressive. I find many people not impressive. But no, but I didn't Did go. Did you find his story he impressive? Come, he didn't come to my inauguration. He didn't come to my State of the Union speeches. And that's okay. That's his right. And again, nobody has done more right. for black to, Americans than I have. I understand. He should have come. But back, I think he made a big mistake. But, but, take, but taking your relationship with him out of it, do you find his story impressive, what he's done for this country? He was a person that devoted a lot of energy and a lot of heart to civil rights, but there were many others also. There's a petition to rename the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama as the John Lewis Bridge. Would you support that idea? I would, I would have no objection to it if yeah. they'd like to do it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Would have no objection to it whatsoever. Okay. I think he could have called John Lewis the N-word and it would have gone over better. I'm not joking. Uh, so Donald Trump doesn't know who John Lewis was? Really? The President of the United States doesn't know one of the most beloved members of the House of Representatives. Anyone else who's even mildly involved with politics could probably at least tell you a basic idea of who John Lewis was. One of the six people to help organize the March on Washington with MLK Jr. 
Donald Trump just doesn't know who he is, guys. Donald, Donald Trump just doesn't know who he is. Now, I remember I saw Matt Walsh asking this. Did Donald Trump know he was going to be asked about John Lewis? It would be one thing if he said, oh, yeah, he was a great man, just kind of dismissively as if he wanted to get it over with. Here, he just doesn't know. He just doesn't. He genuinely doesn't know. He knows he boycotted his inauguration. Of course, that's the only thing you know about John Lewis, Donald. What else would you know about him other than he boycotted your inauguration, your special day where you took control of the country? And it was the biggest crowd ever, despite the fact it wasn't. And it was shining in the sky, despite the fact it was raining and everybody was in ponchos. Uh, beautiful. Beautiful. Far as I'm concerned. An amazing eulogy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to respond to this. I really don't. So, the president doesn't know who one of the most influential members of Congress was. Okay. And again, I want to go back to what I was saying. You know you don't have to do the shoot from the hip thing. You know you can prepare, right? You do a little bit of research and say, yeah, I disagreed with him, but I thought he was good. I thought he, was, I thought he cared. You could have said a typical politician thing. He doesn't even do that. He just says, I have no idea. And then he immediately launches into, I've done more for black Americans than anyone else. Because this is really what Donald Trump considers black Americans to be. He considers them to be political tools. And he gets on to uh, the Democratic Party often and his supporters do for thinking the same thing when that's just sheer projection. Donald Trump thinks of African Americans as political tools. There's no way around it. There is no way around it. That's what he thinks of them. That's why when he read out the Jobs report just after George Floyd says, he said George Floyd would be proud of this. As if George Floyd cared about the job numbers. I don't think that was his major concern in life. But no, that's at the that's why he was pushing his friendship with Kanye West so much because oh my God, this is a black guy who actually likes me. Because black people are not people to the president. He is. They are his pawns. They are people who do who support his agenda and who he helped. Giant quotes. Um, through unspecific policy proposals, he never can give you the actual policies that he's done that have helped black Americans. You guys ever notice that? What policy has Donald Trump actually put in place that has helped black Americans? Some of his supporters will say the First Step Act, but that's what progressives have been advocating for for years now. Including John Lewis, now that I think about it. He was against Clinton's crime reform. Um, and then there's the fact that not even all of them agree on that. Ann Coulter was saying that it was disastrous for black Americans. Guys, remember that? Now, I think she's a stupid person, but that is a genuine view people have had. Um, but no, instead, instead, what we are seeing, instead of anything actually specific, just, I'm helping them. Well, wait, what are you doing to actually help them? He doesn't know. That's because Donald Trump won't, doesn't know what he's done. Okay? He's just a puppet for a strategist, as far as I'm concerned. He's an empty-headed puppet. There's no way around it. He's an empty-headed puppet. And this shows it better than ever, in my opinion. This is the clearest example 
of Donald Trump being an empty-headed puppet who just cannot think of anything on his own. He can't. He seriously can't. And that is why. That is why I didn't know who a, one of the most famous members of Congress was. Because he just doesn't think. He doesn't. It's true. Sorry. Anyway, uh, here's something that's just funny. Dave Dobbenmeyer. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, he was going to launch on a massive rant yesterday about attendees of John Lewis's funeral not wearing any masks. And here's the end result. Just, just listen. John Lewis's funeral, which was held in, in Georgia, where all the potentates and dignitaries showed up, and none of them wore a mask. None of them. See if you can find a picture of the crowd not wearing masks, Mike. I saw one this morning. I should have captured it. All of them. All of them in the church not wearing masks. But we have to, right? We have to wear masks. Did they have to uh, quarantine themselves after they left? No. No, they, they didn't. They didn't. See, there's a set of rules for us. There, there's a picture. It's not about, that's not the one I was looking at. I saw it yesterday. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's a reason he couldn't find any pictures. Because everyone at John Lewis's funeral wore masks. Whoops. Sorry, David. Ah, oh, man. You, you screwed up there. You, you screwed up, David. <laughs> Mind you, we can argue if the standards are arbitrary and if it's right for John Lewis to have all these funerals, uh, some of which were open casket, for God's sake, which just in general, not the most sanitary, especially if he was embalmed, embalmed, which you kind of have to be to keep a corpse preserved for that long. Um, however... At the same time, one cannot argue, because here's the thing with a lot of these funeral stories. A lot of them are from months ago when we didn't know exactly how to stop the spread. And people always say, oh, Fauci didn't want us to wear masks. Well, the reason given by every agency was because there was a shortage of masks because someone got us into a trade war uh, and shipped off about 18 tons of our PPE to China. And so we had to save them for medical professionals. The point of masks also is to protect people from you, not to protect you from other people. That's another thing. Because it, your mouth and nose aren't the only way the virus can drain. It goes under your tear ducts. You were supposed to only wear the mask if you got sick. A lot of people did not realize that, however. And that's where we got where we are now. We have a situation where everyone is not wearing masks, because, or everyone is wearing masks not knowing why you need to wear them. But okay, okay, as it stands, Meyer might have had a point if this was two months ago, is what I'm saying. Although a lot of places have been laxing these restrictions more and more and more, primarily just because the complete lockdown. It was only until we could figure out what the hell was going on with this virus. Uh, now we know what the hell is going on, so we don't really need to worry about that anymore like we used to. Now, aren't you a news guy, Don Myers? Isn't that what your website is called? News with Views? 
Did you go into a coma two months ago? I'm seriously wondering. Because this is, as it stands, utter nonsense. Complete and utter nonsense. And the cherry on top is the fact that you know he was about to go into an epic rant. And that's one of the things I like about right-wing commentators. They always are just a little bit away from a gigantic rant. And you know it's going to backfire. That's one of the things. Um, Rush Limbaugh, for it, you know, just before the Sandra Fluke incident, he was sitting there in his room thinking, All right, Rush, this is going to be one of your best shows ever. And then it turns out that led to a bunch of people boycotting him. Uh, yay. <laughs> but now, as it stands, as it stands, this is absolutely hilarious for all the wrong reasons. Congratulations, Mr. Dabemeyer. I would love to give you an award for biggest cell phone in, in peaceful globalist review history. Uh, because I genuinely can't think of a better one than that. I really can't. I really can't. Uh, maybe Jeff Sessions saying that he's supporting Donald Trump's agenda. That's like, that's up there as well. That's in the top five. This is number one, as far as I'm concerned. This is number one. Gigantic exclamation point one. Congratulations, David. Congratulations. Anyway, uh, guys, I am a strong man, okay? And I'm willing to admit that occasionally I am wrong. I am. If you listen to my earlier shows, I was extremely high for the possibility of a COVID-19 vaccine. Now, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I want to make that clear. I'm still not an anti-vaxxer. Okay? I don't buy to the microchipping in the slightest. The fact is, a chip that size would barely be able to contain information related to its own existence, let alone information on where you are at that current time. Uh, <laughs> however, with that said, I have changed my mind on the possibility of a COVID-19 vaccine. What caused me to change my mind? Well, primarily, it was these two factors. The fact that there has never been a vaccine for a coronavirus before, ever. The fact that the quickest vaccine developed, I believe it was the mumps vaccine, took four years, and the fact that now we're skipping important rounds of safety testing. Here's some news, this came out a couple days ago from Zero Hedge. Red flag soar as Big Pharma will be exempt from COVID-19 vaccine liability claims. Last week we warned readers to be cautious about the new COVID-19 vaccine, highlighting how key parts of the clinical trials are being skipped as Big Pharma will not be held accountable for adverse side effects for administering the experimental drugs. And mind you, it'd be one thing if they were open about it. It would. If they said, hey, we need some test subjects, you want to be a test subject. But no, that's not even what they're doing. I remember Liz Wheeler was saying that we should be spraying COVID-19 in front of random samples of the population, which reminds me disturbing a disturbing amount of the Tuskegee syphilis experiments and the plutonium cases, personally. Personally, that's what it reminded me of. No, the government does not get a right to do such. They also don't get a right to mandate public health. 
And yes, the Supreme Court said they could. Um, in such great cases as Buck v. Bell. And it had such great results as the Tastee syphilis experiments, the sterilization of mentally handicapped people, and the plutonium file, where they injected pregnant women with plutonium. Yeah, this government has no right to mandate public health. We once had such a great eugenics program that Adolf Hitler wrote about how great it was. Seriously. A senior executive from AstraZeneca, Britain's second largest drug maker, told Reuters that his company was granted protection from all legal actions if the company's vaccine led to damaging side effects. And I, I want to say, I'm not with the Alex Joneses of the world saying this is a conspiracy to put demons inside you or to microchip you or to kill you. I don't believe that. I don't. I've read the theories that Bill Gates is going to microchip you. They're utter nonsense, and I've debunked several of them. With that said, however, with that said, however, I want to say right now that this is highly irresponsible. That's the issue here. This is extremely irresponsible to do. And mind you, it would, again, be one thing if they just said, oh, we're going to have to develop an experimental vaccine that might not even work. And they were honest with us about that. And they said, if you want to take it, that's fine. And they made you sign a waiver. Okay. Fine. However, they're trying to hide it. That's the issue going on here, is that they're trying to hide the fact that they don't have any liability protection, the fact that they're skipping rounds of safety testing, which in general, and mind you, the FDA does do too much safety testing, in my opinion, or does too much testing, but most of the worst testing, in my opinion, goes to efficiency, not safety. If you can prove a drug is safe, then you should give it to people, even if it hasn't proven to be 100% efficient, at the very least, assuming there are no other options that have been proven to be efficient. But no, this is nonsensical. This is evil, far as I'm concerned. This is downright evil. And, you know, I just cannot, for the life of me, imagine who thought such a thing was a good idea. Seriously, who honestly was sitting there thinking, I want my vaccines to be less safe? Ugh. That's what bothers me here. You know, in the anti-vaccination movement, they've been saying it for years. I have a whole post debunking this argument, by the way, over on Medium. Uh, would you give your children, they list all the weird things in vaccines. Remember one woman even did that on Penn and Teller's bullshit. The final episode was on vaccinations. And she just said, there's animal DNA and squid embryos and aluminum. Not aluminum, anything but aluminum. The most common element, we, one of the most common elements we come into contact with. Would you inject these into your children? No, I'm not a doctor. But at the same time, you know what? I only trust them to be injected into me or my children. Because they have been tested time and time again and proven to not be dangerous on the vast majority of humans. That's the only reason I would let them put something like that into my body. 
Okay? That's the only reason I let them put anything in my body. Truth be told, I wouldn't trust any random person put into my body whatever the heck's in antibiotics. Or, for that matter, whatever's in, um, whatever's in the flu shot, which is 1% effective this year, guys. Uh, or, for that matter, whatever's in, what else? What, anything. Anything. I wouldn't trust random people to put those into my bodies. The fact is, you're not an anti-vaxxer if you think vaccine companies should be held accountable if it's proven their drugs are ineffective. I'm in favor of removing immunity from vaccine companies. You know why? Because I think they work. <laughs> because I think any lawsuit that would be spurred over it would be utterly nonsensical and would fail. Okay? If anything, it would be more often than not the doctors would be the ones who should be sued in scenarios like that in case they accidentally give an autoimmunity deficient person a vaccine they shouldn't have. This is the main issue with a lot that goes along with vaccines. Okay, and mind you, I support vaccinations. I'm fully vaccinated. I, I'm one of the few men who actually got the HPV vaccine. Okay? Because I don't want to accidentally spread HPV to somebody. To any, to any women watching this, hey ladies, this guy won't give you HPV. <laughs> this is the commentary you still don't get anywhere else. But the fact is, unless it's properly tested, I'm not taking it. Why should I? You can't even be bothered to test it. Why should I trust my body with that? Okay, at that point, you're not even trusting a doctor anymore. You might as well be trusting a heroin dealer. Seriously, at that point, you might as well be trusting a heroin dealer telling you it's a vaccine. Anyway, that's all for tonight. I'm Ephraim, and good night.